This is the Own It Show, where we tell stories of how everyday people made ownership theirs to create extraordinary success. Hey, Own It Crew, I'm Justin. And I'm Elise. Welcome to the Own It Show. And if you guys are new to this platform, be sure to comment, like, share this podcast, no matter what you're doing, whether you're riding in the car, whether you're commuting, whether you're working out, whether it is that you're planning your next entrepreneurial venture, be sure to share this because if you don't share it, there's no way that we can help and impact and empower other people just like you. So be sure to like, comment and share, send it to a friend, somebody that needs to be bolstered up because today we have an absolutely amazing guest, somebody that you don't want to miss out on. And in each one of our journeys, we learn that people are actually at the foundation of every single thing that we do. Relationships, are at the foundation of every single thing that we do. And there's nobody that's done it better along his journey than our guest today. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. We're very excited to have you today. Well, thank you. Elise, I'm going to give you a big hug. I'll shake your hand, Justin, because uh, if you guys are watching the podcast, if you're watching the podcast, you know who the beautiful one is. <laughs> You know what? I get it all the time, and I love the fact that uh, that I get the handshakes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Justin, you're a great-looking guy, but uh, I mean, Elise, you're absolutely beautiful. And uh, oh, I thank, thank you. you. Guys. That's so I, sweet. I thank you guys for for having me on because you know, just just from right when you got on the video, you know, um, I believe that you can tell a lot of, uh, about a person and people by um, just their eyes and their interaction with each other and the. The, the respect, Justin, that you show to Elise and the love that you show to her, not in what you say, but what you are doing while you are with her. I just think that it, it, it speaks volumes and we need more men like that in our world. Oh, well, th thank you very much, Kelly. It's uh, uh, to be honest with you, uh, this is kind of a little vulnerability on our side is so many people think that it just comes easy. Right. And um, for us, it's been we, we invest in it and it, we've got relationship coaches. We've got uh, excellent um, mentors uh, that role we models role in models our in our parents that we reach yeah. out to. So it's uh, I, I love it when you get that kind of feedback because it's something we do put effort into. Absolutely. We actively work on it. We actually have a weekly meeting every meeting <laughs> every week to talk about what we're doing well and what we can do better. <laughs> wow. Well, that's amazing. And, and I want to compliment you at least too, because even in, uh, and if you're watching this, you can see at least when Justin's talking, um, she's looking at him, but she's not just looking at him. Um, you know, she's got love in her heart and you can see it in her eyes and you can see that she's intently listening. And any woman out there, I want you to realize I deal with, I've dealt with women for my whole entire career, 29 years. And I want you to realize that that in a relationship can be so huge just listening to your man as opposed to tuning out, looking at your phone, looking off in space. But if you watch this again, watch that clip and honestly share that with every woman that you, that you know, at least this is a phenomenal example. Um, and I want to thank you for that today. Oh, thank you, Kelly, for the amazing compliment. Kelly, I want to dive into a little bit what you talked about because you've, you've established yourself so well in a entrepreneurial career and dove into really what for so many people has been like that, that world of um, that female world that is so strong. And you've, you've got such an amazing foothold in it, done so many creative things and done it at such a high level. What was that experience like? What kind of threw you into that, that um, 
uh, environment in that industry and bolstered you to ultimately create what you did? Well, getting into the professional beauty industry, it wasn't any inspiration. My dad uh, was the dad that always wanted to, you know, do things himself. And if you have a dad like that, which a lot of you listeners out there do, your dad never does it the way that you could have bought it. He will try and make you a Big Mac and it will taste nothing like it. He will try and make you fries. It'll taste nothing like it. And he just wanted to shave our dog because he thought he would save money uh, from the groomer. And so he bought dog clippers. Me and my brother turned them on the dog. The dog ran away. We turned them on ourselves. So it wasn't a huge inspirational part, but it's amazing because I believe that God has a plan in everything. And, and um, that plan, you know, my mom was so instrumental in it. And when you talk about dealing with women, um, I was taught by a woman. And I, had a, I have a phenomenal dad. Uh, he's still around. He's, he's pops that he goes by. But my mom was so instrumental in so many things. And like the first thing, which was, if it's a big deal to a woman, then it's a big deal. And that was something that she told me very early and often throughout my life. And it helped me to, because I had no idea. I mean, God had the plan. He knew. But I didn't know that I was going to be a hairdresser. I played basketball, football, baseball, you know, hanging out with my boys, all the stuff, working on cars. And, but God knew that I was going to be in the professional beauty industry and he knew that. And then he made such a strong role model in my mom and my mom, you know, she would stand in front of the door with me and my brother when we would walk up to a store and stand there until we opened the door, she would not walk through. And it wasn't because she couldn't do it herself. She was strong enough to do anything herself, but she wanted to raise real men and real men contribute and make sure that we're not protecting our woman because, you know, it's because you're a, a weaker vessel. It's because it's the right thing to do. And my mom constantly, uh, you know, reiterated, if you do the right things for the right reasons, the right things will come, but not in the time that you think they will. It's so true. And, and it, to, to be honest, even going back to the, the details in which you picked up in, in Elise and I in a very quick time, it, it takes one to see one. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, something that you can just tell in all of your social media content, in all the research that we did kind of leading up to this, was that you've, you have presented yourself in such a, um, uh, a kind, God-fearing way that has empowered you to be, again, the leader in person that you are. And so I, 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 I want to just like congratulate you on that in and of itself, because it's, it's people that are leading like you that make the world a better place, that make the world a fun place to be, that make the world um, our oyster, if you will, because otherwise it just ends up being this, this hard drag day in and day out that life was not meant to be that way. I completely agree. Yeah, and that's, that's actually very well said um, because so often what Justin and I find and something that we've learned about you already, you know, in, in your essence. And it's, it's very clear um, in the, in the, the short moment that we had to really meet you and get to know you um, is that there's a lot of authenticity there. It's, it's clear that that that's something that you really lead with, but I'm curious, you know, you've built these multiple amazing successful businesses what would you say for you is maybe the one or two characteristics or driving forces that have really allowed you to get to where you are today? My, I, I think it's because of dog doo-doo. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, say this, I, I, I say this and honestly, like I, I think that we, 
you know, one of the, the greatest um, uh, ingredients in our life and, uh, is, is dookie. And we don't talk about it enough. We don't appreciate it enough. Everybody gets mad at it. They're mad because it stinks. They're mad because they step in it. They're mad because someone dropped a dump in the toilet and didn't flush it. Um, what we don't, I don't think we appreciate dookie in our life enough. And what I mean by that is dookie is fertilizer. And when you have dookie in your life, you can fertilize the seeds that sometimes you don't even know or didn't even remember that you put in, in, in place. And think about in this last year, there was a lot of dookie and a lot of people were mad at things. I haven't been mad this whole year. Um, you know, obviously there was challenges, things like that, but I, I had very early on a perspective that was shaped by my parents and I didn't do anything for this. And this is the reason why I could talk about it. I'm not bragging. I'm just saying I had really great parents, not that I had, you know, super wealthy parents, but they were wealthy in love and they were wealthy in prayer. And my mom was constantly, constantly praying for me all the time. I mean, I remember in fourth grade, she was praying for my wife. And in fourth grade, you're 10 years old. I was like, what's wrong with you? Like, I don't want to get married. I ain't trying to, you know, I'm just trying I like, I like girls, but I, I just wanted to talk to the hottest lady, whatever it was, but I wasn't trying to get married. But she kept telling me, I'm praying for your wife. I'm praying for your wife. I'm praying for your wife. And she was praying us up all the time. But she was also helping us to realize, not just through word, but through action, that the dookie in our lives can become fertilizer for the seeds that we didn't know were planted. Or it could be the thing that's the nastiest thing that ruins your entire day. It's the exact same circumstance, but it's the way in which we look at it. And she helped us to be able to develop a perspective. That perspective was developed by our lens. And our lens was developed by our experiences, our environment, and the impacts that we've had in our life. And I was very, very fortunate to have two people that absolutely loved me. We, we didn't have a perfect family, um, but we had two people that absolutely loved us, uh, me and my brothers. And my mom had three things to me every single day. You're awesome. You're beautiful. And you can do anything that's in line with your purpose and you're willing to do the work for. So then that way, when it came to, I don't even really call it business. I just call it life. Um, and I mix them all. If you notice with my social media, I have no pattern to it. I wouldn't suggest that I'm a social media guru. Because I just do what my life is. And that's the thing. Like when people ask me, like, what are the steps to be able to get to it? I can't give you the steps because if you did the exact same steps as me, probably wouldn't work because you're not me. Mm-hmm. If I tried to, you know, if I tried to do, uh, be Tony Robbins, um, you know, Shaq said it, uh, Shaquille O'Neal said it on um, uh, Inside the NBA, my favorite show in the world. He said when he first started, he wanted to be the next Bryant Gumble. And then when he realized that he was just Shaquille O'Neal, then he settled in and then slowed the game down. And then it started coming to him. And I believe that business right now is coming to me because I've just slowed down and I'm okay with being really bad at business. I've closed a ton of businesses. I've had people, you know, quit. I've had businesses shut down. I've done things that have been awful and made poor decisions financially, but I write them down. I learn from them and they become the next procedure in my business. That's amazing. And, you know, there's there's three main things that I really heard there. One was the amazing upbringing and the, the two strong pillars you really had in your life to support you and create an extremely the extremely confident person you are today. Second was the fact that you're learning a lot from your failures. And the third and potentially the most powerful um, and something that, you know, I, I, I know Justin and I are still working on ourselves to this day is authentically being who you are. It's so powerful when you say, you know what? I, I claim that I'm bad at business. I claim that I come from this upbringing. I claim these things and these are mine. And as long as I show up in who I am every single day, 
I will find my own personal success. Now that's a really, really hard lesson to learn. When did you first, let's, let's call it settle in, settle in to the fact that you were Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I want to meet him someday. Uh, you know, I actually got to meet him. I got to dap him up in uh, in um, the Hard Rock Casino in Las Vegas. He was walking by and I was like, yo, Shaq. And I just put on my fist and his fist was like five times the size. <laughs> the reason why I want to meet him is because inside the NBA, I believe next to Jalen and Jacoby is the greatest show on TV. Um, but when that started, it was it was very, very early on. And it was it was early on because we didn't have the things that other people had. We didn't have enough money to be able to get the same jeans as everyone else. Um, Miller's Outpost was the big thing back in the day, and it was Anchor Blues, and and I wanted Anchor Blue overalls, and my my friend David could get them because his parents had money, and I couldn't. I wanted Star Wars figures, but we couldn't afford them, so we got like you know the the off brand of Star Wars, which was like, <laughs> you know, which was like Plan Dolo, you know what I'm saying? Like uh, I I didn't get Transformers, I got uh, I didn't even get Gobots, I got Zybots that all they did was just flip over. They didn't even have a changing parts. And during that time, I remember feeling like I can really get mad at this or I can make it my own stuff. And I remember my mom used to shop at thrift stores before it was vintage. And she used to go and do a bag deal. And the bag deal was 99 cents. And she would go to the thrift store and she knew how to pack that stuff really tight. And she would get all these things for 99 cents. But they were random sizes, random things, random clothes. And I remember at one point I was in, uh, I think 11th grade and I didn't have all the clothes that anyone else had. I had secondhand clothes and I was, it was embarrassing at first. And then I realized like, I'm just going to go headlong in this. And I started going to thrift stores and buying the stupidest looking stuff, polyester pants, all these things. And then I remember walking across the, um, the, uh, cafeteria in the morning or it was outside in California. And as I'm walking across, I had just got a, um, a short sleeve sweater, which at least Justin should never wear a short sleeve sweater unless he's on the Brady Bunch. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're, you're talking to a fashion girl. She would never <laughs> let me wear that. Yeah, I, I, Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. And, and Justin, you're a great looking guy. You could probably wear whatever you want. But <laughs> I, happen, my, I happen to get this short sleeve sweater and I was walking across the campus. And it was in the morning, you know, all the popular kids, all the stuff. And I was, you know, played football, baseball. My brother was like the man, whatever. So I'm walking through and this girl shouts out, oh my gosh, look at that short sleeve sweater. That's the ugliest thing you that I've ever seen. And everyone stopped and she was yelling and I was like so mortified. But I remembered back to my mom and my mom would always tell me, son, you're awesome. You're beautiful. You can do anything. Mm -hmm. But she would also tell me, look in the mirror in the morning. Fall in love with what you see. And then if someone else has a problem with it, it's their problem. And I channeled that in 11th grade. And that girl yells out and I'm frozen and everyone's laughing and everyone's, ah, and you know, like, oh. And I turned to her and I said, that's funny. When I put this uh, sweater on this morning, I wasn't thinking about you. And everyone was like, oh, he got her. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then everybody, it was crazy because everybody, put an expectation on me, almost a reverse peer pressure that I was supposed to be the guy wearing the silly stuff. I was supposed to be the guy doing the different stuff. I wasn't supposed to be along with the crowd. And then I have, and I have to give a shout out to all of them. Uh, Dale, uh, Andy, Will, um, my brother, uh, uh, Rob. And I didn't drink. I've never drank before in my whole entire life. I've never had any alcohol, never had any drugs, never smoked anything uh, ever. And it's not any righteous reason. 
But at 14, I realized that I hadn't. And I believe he's never told me to this day, but I believe my big brother told, went to all my friends and said, you know, basically don't ever bring this to him. But, you know, as far as alcohol, drugs, whatever. But my, all my friends, Dale, Andy, Will, um, Dave, Rob, they all wrapped around me and they were huge guys too. And they all wrapped around me through high school and they protected me from drugs, from alcohol, from anything. And when everyone else was drinking and don't get me twisted, don't get it twisted. They all did their thing, hmm. but they would protect me and make sure that I didn't. And it, they, uh, for me, I'm just so fortunate to not only have my friends or have my parents, but to have my friends and then to have my big brother, who's my hero. And see, I didn't do anything for this. That's the reason why I could talk so passionately about it and jump up and down because I'm, I can't brag about this stuff. It was all gifts. My friends protected me in those realms. And that's when it really started to spiral. And then my, my friends were like, no, you're different. You need to do this. You need to do this. And it was like, they were okay with it. And they protected me all the time. So. That story just like, it gives me goosebumps because it, the dating back to that area of the, of the schoolyard and hearing that girl um, kind of putting you on the spot you had an opportunity there, an opportunity to either go inside and become ashamed of who you were and kind of change who you were. But the but what your mom had instilled in you as a kid, the belief system that she had instilled in you, what at least I call it is ownership. And you were able to own who you were and you were able to take ownership of it. And when you live in ownership, man, that is powerful stuff. That is powerful stuff because no matter what happens, you're like, uh, I, I don't see me as being different. You're different. <laughs> you're, you're different. Like, why are you not wearing a sweater t-shirt? Like, are you kidding me? Like, why do you think it's weird? Yeah. Like what's the matter with you? And so I think that is like just such a powerful moment for all you listeners out there, like for everybody who's a parent, a mother, uh, a father of, of a kid, understand the power you have to be able to instill those beliefs of ownership in your children, be able to understand the power of what ownership is for you and the impacts that they can have throughout any moment in time. Because I'm curious from that moment on, taking kind of that ownership definition of, hey, you're beautiful, you're awesome, you can do anything. What did that allow you to do as you continue to develop your passion for everything in life? Well, there was one, there was one other one. So when I was in high school, I was working with my dad and we used to clean houses and we just do odd jobs because my dad didn't, you know, he wasn't traditionally employed and we were just struggling. Like we were struggling financially and um, my dad took us and we would paint houses and we clean houses and stuff and we were all busted up and like dirty. And we were working in a place called Buellton and, um, and we went to Santa Barbara and Santa Barbara was a really, really nice place. And there's a place called Paseo Nuevo. And we rolled into uh, Paseo Nuevo into the, and it's the nicest place like Nordstrom's. And believe me, from the town I came from, Nordstrom's is like the Star Wars. No one ever goes there. <laughs> get there to, we get there to the mall and the only way into Paseo Nuevo is through Nordstrom's. And I've just got done cleaning the house, painting, and I'm dirty and nasty. And my dad shout out to him. My dad is Mexican. And so my dad is the hardest working guy that I, that I know. I mean, this guy is no joke. And he goes just strutting in like he's owning the place. 
Mm-mm. And I was like, no, dad, I don't want to walk through here. Well, let's walk around. And I said, and he said, why? And I said, because I don't want to walk in. I'm dirty and nasty. This is a nice place. And he stopped me, grabbed me and pulled me close. And he said, boy, he looked me in my eyes and said, boy, he said, don't you ever feel bad about the way that you look. It doesn't matter what the, or the way that you look. It matters who you are inside. And we're going to walk through this store and you're going to own who you are. And I remember at that time, I wished that the angels would sing and then I would walk through with confidence, but I still walked through meek and I still walked through like, oh man, I don't belong here. But my dad didn't. He strutted like a damn rooster walking through there and he had on just dirty clothes and all those things. But what it showed me is that it had nothing, nothing, this life has nothing to do with the things that you put on, that you buy, that you accumulate, but has all to do with the acceptance of your own greatness. And once that happens, everything else falls in line. Yeah. And that's, you know, just, just hearing you say that it's so powerful to hear that. And we have the benefit of being able to see you face to face and you can, you can just see the the passion and the emotion come through when you, when you see that and the strength from that, that that you've carried through with you. So I find myself wondering how have you taken all of these amazing ownership lessons that you experienced at a very long, young age and bring to your own personal leadership style today, whether it be with your companies, with your businesses, with your teams, and, and even with your family? Well, I, I think it's a one word thing that my mom gave me. <laughs> it's just, you, you take your shoulder down. She, my mom never cursed the day in her life. She thought poop was a bad word. Um, <laughs> and, you know, but the one, one word that she would allow in the house is she turned to me on the couch in Memphis one time and she looked at me. And I was having a challenge at the time. I think I was late for work. I can't remember what it was. And she looked at me and she shrugged her shoulders like this, put her hands up. And she was like, shit. And I I laughed so hard. And she said, honestly, son, if you could shrug your shoulders, lift your hands and just say, shit, when things happen, everything will work out. And so the ownership, what it did with me with business is it gave me wings to try stuff out. And you know what? If it worked, shit, I didn't uh, like get ego. If it didn't work, shit. You move on and try something else. And one of my friends, um, his name is Eric Compton. Um, you know, he's a phenomenal entrepreneur, but he uh, opened a business and he profited on the first week. And no one does that ever. But I was like, man, you got the golden touch. And he was like, nope, I just keep touching. And I want to like, for me with entrepreneurs out there, a lot of times we put so much stress on ourselves and pressure on ourselves. And for me, like I've closed more businesses than I've opened. Shit. Like maybe I need to learn a lesson. Um, you know, last year the whole world shut down and everything, everything, I'm talking everything, every stream of income that I had was gone. Bang. My, our company, just our salons was doing $3.85 million a year and bang. in one day it was all gone. Shit. Let's start a podcast. You know what I'm saying? Like there's a way that, and, and I think that if we do that, we don't take ourselves so seriously. I think that we can move from the, um, uh, I think that there's two parts, right? There's accomplishment and there's acceptance. And most entrepreneurs are in the accomplishment side. They want to accomplish this, 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 and I want to justify and I want to show my teachers that I could do it. And I want to tell all these people and I want to just show them and I want to accomplish all this stuff. And then there's the other side, the Michael Jordans of the world, the Steph Curry's of the world, the LeBron James, the Tom Brady's that literally just accept their greatness. The game slows down and then it starts to come to them and everyone freaks out. like, oh, you've just got a, a golden horseshoe. No, I just say, shit, and just keep moving. Like, let's try it out. Let's try a podcast. If it works, then we move. 
I want to write. I wrote a book and I wrote a book in six days. Um, the book up behind me. I wrote that in six days. Why? Because I said, shit, I want to be an author. I can't write well. I can't read well, but let me try it. So I took a, a iMac, not a laptop, an iMac with an orange extension cord out into my uh, side yard, plugged it in, and I typed with two fingers for six days and I didn't sleep until I got it done. Why? Because before I wrote the book, I wanted to have a story about it. So when I got on Oprah or Ellen or on the news, that people were like, oh, I like this book. What's it about? And I was like, I wrote it in six days. So I wanted to have, I, I constructed the story behind, before, but I gave myself permission to do it, not because I gave it, because my mom gave it to me at such an early age. And she told me, son, you could do anything. Mm. You could do anything. And that really, honestly, has given me wings with all of it. I, I believe, I'm honestly, like for me right now, the emphasis is, it, it goes like this. It goes books, TV, movies, music, and podcasts five things. I, now, a bunch of them I haven't ever done. I've never written a movie. Shit, let me try. <laughs> I've never written a TV show, but in the last year, I've written probably five or six, 10, 15, but I, they had, none of them got picked up. Shit, maybe it shouldn't be picked up now. But now I'm starting to have friends that are making movies. Now I'm starting to have friends that are making TV shows. Now I'm having friends. I've got a friend that has written 100 books. He's got 32 bestsellers, and I play pool with them. So the more and more that I'm around him, shit, maybe if I just keep writing, it'll work out. And if it doesn't, shit, maybe it wasn't supposed to. <laughs> so that's the way, that's where my mentality is at. I love that so much. And the thing that you gotta, I, I, as listeners, I want you to pick this up, is that Kelly just doesn't say, I, wanna, I want something to happen. And then he sits on the couch and he goes, mm-hmm. all right, I'm going to manifest this into the world. But he does the work. He does the hard work. He owns that. And he sits and he goes and plugs an extension cord in and puts it into his iMac and walks out to the, uh, the outdoors and just starts hunting and pecking away until that book is done six days later. And he's got to have two bandages and eat with his thumbs. Yeah. Like it's like, it, it's, it's that type of thing. And the other thing that you've said here, Kelly, and kind of in a, in an offshoot way is you've surrounded yourself with people that also embody those same characteristics. You, you, you surround yourself with people who are writers. You surround yourself with people who are trying to do the same things as you. And Tim Ferriss in his book, Tool of Titans talks about the most successful people in the world, the most brilliant minds in the world. It's not because they're better than anybody else. It's simply because they've tried more often. They've tried more often and they've experimented with themselves. They've pushed themselves to limits that, quite frankly, they had no business being in. But because they had the people around them, because they had the audacity to try, they were able to be successful. And that's what I just see from you. I see it from your essence. I see it from your aura. And it's so infectious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I, I really thank you. And I think that this is a foundational thing that I started. Uh, you know, I, I've always written a ton. Like writing down, I had to write notes when I was a kid, 10 pages of notes before I could go out and play from the time I was in fourth grade to the time I was in sixth grade. My dad made me do this. I wasn't happy about it. I wasn't excited. But now I, I'm a note taker. I'm a crazy note taker all the time. And, um, but, you know, in uh, uh, shout out to a guy named Charles Wrestler, who you guys should have on your podcast. This guy is absolutely phenomenal. I'll get, uh, get him uh, contact or connected with you. Yeah, but he got me in touch with doing a thing called morning pages. And it was um, unconsciously writing three pages a day. Well, what this transferred into, um, we had some things with my daughter, she's 12 years old. And um, 
you know, during the coronavirus time, she was, she went into sixth grade and it was tough. I mean, it was tough on her. She was isolated, all this stuff. So what I started doing is I took a journal and I um, created, and I write her a letter every day. And every day uh, of the week, seven days a week, I write her a letter in the morning. And then on Friday, I give her the journal. She reads seven of the letters that I give to her. And then she gives me the journal back. Well, I did this and then I started doing it with my wife too. And so with my wife, uh, you know, I, I write her a letter every day. And so she has the journal and she gets the journal on Friday and then she reads it and gives it back to me. What it did was it helped me to start to um, emphasize the things that I loved. And I, and it, it, that alone time, I had to emphasize, and I think entrepreneurs about our businesses, we've got to spend time and we've got to write about and we've got to pour out all the things that we love about our business, not all the rest of the stuff. Because if you throw a rock, you can hit you know, complaints all the time. But if you start writing this, what starts to happen is then you start to look for things throughout the day because I've got to have things to write in the morning. So what I'm constantly doing is looking for great things in my wife. Like yesterday, I noticed that how much she loved everyone. She was just so loving. She was so complimentary. And she, like, she's been squeezing my butt more than any. Uh, <laughs> it's so squats you're doing. <laughs> she really, no, she really has. She's been squeezing my butt. She's like grabbing my butt. And then she whispers in my ear while everyone's around. The whole family, like 15 people yesterday, were on the river. And she squeezed my butt. And then she looked at me. She's like, you're sexy. And I'm like, holy cow, this is great. This is amazing. <laughs> women out there, women out there, if you do this, we will do anything. We will get you the house. We'll get you the car. We'll get you whatever. <laughs> All you need to do, I call it scooping the booty. If you scoop the booty, ladies, just scoop it and then say a little something. And so I'm looking for these things. And she did that yesterday. And then she was very, uh, you know, gentle with everyone. And she was taking care of my son and my daughter and, you know, all these things. And so when I was writing her this morning, I got a chance to write about those. I was writing about my daughter and I got the chance to see her, her interact with a, um, with a, a street vendor the other day. And she was so kind, her tone of voice. And it was genuine, but she was so kind. And I got to write about that. If we as entrepreneurs and as business owners would take the time and write about all the things that are awesome in our life and about our businesses, then our businesses would become more awesome. Oh, that's, that's amazing. And it's, it's clear that you have a philosophy in which you live by, regardless of whether it's business or life. And I'm super curious and hope you can share with us a little bit about your book, The Six Indicators for Business and Life. <laughs> Um, tell us a little bit about your book and, and, you know, some, some key things that we can learn from you. Well, I think that, uh, you know, for me, it's just about sharing the things that I screw up on. Um, I think that every one of your procedures in life is nothing more than a list of your screw up. And when you, when you give people in an organization, the freedom to know that, then it gives them wings and they can create new procedures. How? By screwing up, by trying something and then getting to a point where they're like, I tried, it didn't work out. Let me write it down so we don't do it again, right? And the six indicators, what they are is we, if, you, if, if the speedometer in your car broke today, at least you wouldn't drive the car, not because it wouldn't run, but because you wouldn't know how fast or slow you're going, mm -hmm. which, would impair, which would impair your judgment, right? And, and your reaction time. But most of us run our lives, our businesses, and our relationships without indicators to tell us how fast or slow we're going in those areas. So this is not the six answers to life. It's the six indicators to help us to understand and know how fast or slow we're going. And I've never in my entire career, in my entire life, I've never found anything outside of these six indicators. Like, and I'll try it with you guys. Okay. Give me a challenge in your business right now. Um, email marketing. Okay. Email marketing. Okay. 
So email marketing would either fall under uh, uh, indicator number three, uh, which was process and procedure, or uh, it would fall under number two, which would be vibe, um, or it would fall under number one, which would be culture. And so, and then you could work into number four, which would be uh, uh, productivity. You could uh, also look at number five and number six, which is innovation and the ability to adapt immediately. And I can guarantee you, if you read those 117 pages, your email marketing challenges would be solved. Your marriage would be solved. Your business challenges as far as expansion would be solved, not by my answers, but by the answers you would get by me asking you the questions and letting you answer them because I believe the truth is inside you anyway. No, you're, you're bang on because deep down, I'm a data geek. Like I'm a guy that loves to go off of quantifiable information or a standard procedure in which you can ask yourself better questions because without it, you're just flying by the seat of your pants. You would never invest in the stock market without knowing what the numbers were. You would never buy a home without knowing what the value of it was. But yet in so many cases of our life and how we operate, it's just, Hey, I, I guess this is good. Let's do it. And then we get shocked when the results aren't what we want. And so what gets measured gets managed. What gets managed can improve. And when we really dive deep into that and with what you just said through the six indicators, you ask the questions that allow us to do the work that then bring us closer to get better answers, better questions, better answers, better results at the end of the day is kind of what I hear you saying. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, I, I think that when we're looking at it for me, and this was the thing for my pops, right? Like, and I you know I use a lot of uh, stuff from my dad and from my mom, but it's all I got, right? Um, my, my pop said, there's only one, one question you need to answer in your whole entire life. And I was like, wait a second. My mom only gave me one word to fix everything. Shit. And then my dad gave me one question that I had to answer. And if I answered that correctly, then everything worked out. And I was like, this can't be, you know, I sound like the sham wow guy, right? Like, and if you buy one today, you'll get two of them. It's not like that. But what he said was, he said, honestly, there's only one question you need to ask. Uh, yourself. And that's, do you want your best or do you want God's best? And when you sit in that for a second, and I remember saying to him, like, I want God's best. And then he was like, well, what if you don't get what you want? And I was like, well, then I want my best. And he was like, no, you already chose. I want you to realize that God's best is always going to be better than our best. And if we study who he is, for me, like, I, I don't study a lot of business books. I, I mean, I, I read a lot, but you know, I study the character of who God is. And when I do, what, what I find is that he's never made a mistake. He's seldom early, never late, always on time. And so that way I can raise my shoulders, like my mom said, and say, shit, the mirror we were supposed to get delivered today, today didn't come. Shit, maybe we weren't supposed to get it. The table we got delivered right before this podcast was damaged in the uh, thing and they brought it up. Shit. Maybe we're supposed to have a little scar on our table that will be a, 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 a story that we could tell. The delay that God has is a blessing. And let me tell you this. The house that I'm sitting in right now, which has the most beautiful view in the world, when I, we get done, I'll, I'll send you a picture of it. Phenomenal. Looking over the lake in Deer Valley. It's absolutely phenomenal. A year ago, we came in and we saw the model. We saw this and we were like, all our business was shut down. Everything's done. But my wife, for some reason, has this great idea that we need to buy a house during this time. And I'm like, I don't know about this, but we go. 
You see this view. I'm blown away. All I've ever wanted was a view. All she wanted the kitchen. She sees the kitchen. It's crazy. I go to the guy. I say, man, what do I got to do? I got to do a down payment. Got to do whatever. He's like, I can't take a down payment. What I can take is a uh, non or a fully refundable deposit. And I was like, all right. And he's like, for $2,500. And I was like, what? Let me do that right now. So I lock it up. I'm like, boom, like, boom, $2,500. Yes. And they said, okay, in, in a month and a half, it's going to be ready. This was in July of last year. October comes. No house. November comes. No house. December comes. No house. January, February, March, April, May, June, or into uh, end, of, end of May. But see, God's timing was so perfect. That $2,500 that I took increased in value for a full year during the, one of the greatest increases in real estate history. I didn't have the answer. He did. When I study him and I want his best for my life as opposed to my best for my life, then he could take $2,500 and turn it into the exponential gain that we got when we signed on this house. Or I can go off my own methods and all the studying that I have, which is a finite mind as opposed to an infinite God. And so today, the only question you need to answer is, do you want your best or do you want God's best? Mm -hmm. And I, I'm mad at myself on this because I sound like my dad. Like my dad used to say that and I used to get so mad. And I'd be like, yeah, but I want this, dad. But I tell you, every time that I release and let go and sit in, magic happens. And yeah, I believe I, that there's magic. I believe there's magic for every single person out there that's listening if you're willing to sit and be okay with just being you. Yeah. That, and that's super powerful. You know, so much of it goes back to this um, amazing rule that you live your life by, which is be patient. And things are, things are meant to happen that the, the way that they're meant to happen, as long as you allow them to reveal themselves to you. Well, at least don't get it twisted though. Don't get it twisted. I, I've been, I was mad during that time. I was, angry. <laughs> I was, I was yelling at people. I was like, man, I can't believe this. I was down on myself. I was writing like, okay, God, if you just need to do it early for me, you could do that. But, yep. and I, I honestly, like every time this bonehead of a person there's so, God gives me so much grace because I mess up every day, all the time, and he keeps giving me grace. So he's just given me that example that I need to keep doing that, not only for other people, which is pretty simple for all of us, but to give myself grace mm -hmm. in that yep. and walk in that. Yeah, I love it. Kelly, we always ask people, uh, it's kind of like our blank slate. If you were to finish the sentence, ownership is, what is that to you? Wow. That's a good question. <laughs> um, just being. Just being. Ownership is just being. I, I, I can't be anybody else. You know, my the daughter said it to me the other day. I was like, baby, I was trying to be philosophy, like philosophical or whatever. Or, uh, I don't know what the hell word I was supposed to say. Shit, it was the wrong one. Um, <laughs> but I, was, I, was, I was trying to be a philosopher to her. That's what I was saying. And she's like, she, at the time she was 10. And I was like, baby, just be yourself. And she looked at me and she was like, duh. <laughs> everyone, else is, everyone else is taken, dad. And I was like, I mean, wisdom from a 10-year-old, everyone else is taken. Just be. And then you'll start to own it. I love it. I love it. Where can people really interact with you further, Kelly? Um, get your book, uh, your podcast. 
and uh, and interact with you on socials. So all the so, uh, social media, the real Kelly Cardenas is there. Real Kelly Cardenas, uh, 23 on TikTok. I don't have good TikTok game, but I have to do it because I have a 12 year old. Facebook, it's Kelly Cardenas. And so what I wanted to do, Justin and Elise, is have a median for every single type of person. The people who are social media junkies. I've got Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, anything, you name it, LinkedIn, all the stuff. For those of you who are paper readers, I've got the book. You can order it through kellycardenas.com. For those of you who are listening people, um, I've got the podcast, Kelly Cardenas podcast. Um, and then for those of you who are digital um, readers, I've got a digital book that you can get through the, uh, through the website. And also, if you're a course person, I've got a course for you. Um, you know, on the book, I've got a course on how to be able to create flow in your life, the seven P's that will uh, create uh, or uh, um, that will alter your reality. Um, you know, so I've got those different things, but I want you to understand for me, I've never thought that one answer was going to fit everybody. So I wanted to make sure that I had something for where you were at as a listener, as opposed to where I was at as the person trying to provide. Mm. I love it. I love it's it. Amazing. Allowing people to come into your world, not forcing them into yours. So uh, it's, it's so great. And guys, as you're listening, be sure to engage in that because uh, you're beautiful, you're awesome, and you can do whatever you want as long as you put your mind to it and it aligns with those values. And uh, success is something that you continually seek. There's, there's power in the pause, there's power in patience. And the further that we just give up control and allow ourselves to, hey, we're going to take action where we can and let everything else fall where it may, shit, we'll see what happens. And just be. And ultimately just be. <laughs> so as always, guys, success is different. So be different and own it. We'll see you next week. <laughs>